Hi, I'm Brian. And I'm Michaela. And this is Drink the Movies. A podcast where each week we try to recreate a classic movie drink and discuss the movie that inspired it. Thanks for joining us. Now let's drink the movies. Well, hello and welcome to episode 69 of Drink the Movies. I'm Brian here as always with Michaela. And Michaela, it is Oscar week. We made it. Oscars, we made Oscars, it. Oscars. We made it through another year, another year of watching movies. Uh, we made it we made it through a crazy month of watching a lot of movies. Uh, but I am I'm very glad to say, you and I, we made it. We made it through all of them. Uh, save one animated short that is not available to stream or purchase anywhere. So uh, we didn't watch that, but uh, I'm pretty proud of us. We did a really good job, I think. I am also very proud. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of me. I'm proud of the fact that I think collectively it's it was something like 97 and a half hours of stuff that we had wow. to watch okay. because there were there were a lot of three hour films this mm-hmm. year. Um, <laughs> yes. And there were 54 of them. There were 54 films. Uh, some were short. Uh, there were a couple 15 minute ones. Not very many. Most of them over two hours. So you do the math on that, everyone. You yeah, all do that- the math. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. The theme of the year was definitely the long movie. Um, if you just look at the at the regular like feature length films, a lot of those were, you know, up north of uh, two and a half hours. Even a lot of the shorts this year we noticed were were longer than shorts normally are. Usually you get those in, you know, 12, 15, maybe 20 minutes, but a couple of the shorts were up, you know, up well over a half hour. So yeah, it was it was the year of the long movie, but but we did it. There were some good ones uh this year. Uh, you know, we've been talking as the year's gone on, some of the ones that have uh, stood out to us, you know, Coda has been a long time favorite of ours uh, going through this whole year. We talked about uh, Cruella uh, in the, you know, costume design that how great it was and how we thought it was going to get nominated. And it did. And uh, yeah, it's just exciting to have another year in the books and another year of Oscar picks. And we're doing for the second year in a row our Oscar Pickums. So we have a awesome prize package. We've got like a it's like a mason jar mug. Uh, it says Oscars 2022. We've got some custom coasters being made for us that have our logo and Oscars uh, on there. We've got some stickers. We're putting that all together in a prize package. And the way you win that is you just go to our website, which is www.drinkthemovies.com. Right there on the front page or on the drop down tab, you can go to Oscars 22 Pickem. You just pick who you think is going to win the Oscars and whoever gets the most right out of the nominations is going to win this prize package. So uh, go there, enter that. It's a lot of fun. Um, And then, you know, next week after the Oscars, we'll talk about how everyone's picks washed out, how Michaela's and my picks washed out, but it's a lot of fun. So make sure you go do that. Yes, absolutely. Please do that. You don't have had, you, you do not have to have taken it uh, as seriously as uh, Brian and I, you do Mm -hmm, not have mm -hmm. to have watched all 54 uh, films to participate uh, but you know, if you just go make some guesses, wouldn't it be funny, Brian, if yes. someone out there guessed all of the winners without ever having seen any of them? That would be that would be really good. That would be amazing to get them all right. It would be amazing to get them all right if you had seen all of these, um, just in general, uh, because it's it's hard and it is a hard year. A lot of these categories have the exact same nominees in them for a lot of the things. So I, we're going to have to talk through these, make our picks. Um, we have, uh, for people listening at home, we have kind of a big spreadsheet. Now, Michaela has like two winners picked on each of these categories. She's been slowly uh, uh, dialing them back. So I'm not going to let her have two picks. She's going to have to make one pick. 
Uh, but before we do that, we wanted to throw out some cocktails for everyone for their Oscar party. You know, you're having brunch, you're having uh, like a bridal shower, or you're having a get together, or you're having an Oscar party. You want to have a nice champagne cocktail. And we wanted to throw out a couple of options of those for you. One of the fun things about doing like a champagne cocktail is you can mix it up or you can make like a little bar and let people kind of dose up their own. But we tried a couple of these last night. We were doing our last movie watching and we threw a couple of these together just to try them out see what we thought and, you know, give everyone some good advice on how to kick off their Oscar party in style. So Michaela, you whipped these up for us. Why don't you run through kind of what you did and maybe just some tips and tricks for throwing together a quick and easy champagne cocktail, something a little fancier than your regular mimosa. Right, right. So the the key is uh, to add the champagne at the end. Uh, Make sure that you do that. If you're going to mix some stuff together, um, I like to put some ice in a shaker and I like to keep it at about two ounces of whatever you're going to add to the champagne cocktail because Mm -hmm. you do want um, a nice effervescence. If you just top it off with like half an ounce of champagne, you're not really going to get any of the goodness that the champagne has. So you'd want to make sure it's kind of half and half. Um, So that's two ounces of whatever juice you have. Now, what we did, um, my favorite one, which actually was the one that you you suggested uh, Mm -hmm. at the outset, Brian, was um, one ounce of pear juice and then an ounce of uh, St. Germain, which is obviously my favorite uh, Mm -hmm. liqueur of all time. And so that's two ounces total. You put that in a shaker uh, with some ice, shake that up, pour it into a glass and then top it with your champagne. Really Mm -hmm. beautiful. It's a beautiful color. It tastes absolutely amazing. It's so great. And it's I mean, it's three ingredients, so it's it's not super hard to do, um, but it is definitely an upgrade from your regular mimosa. Another one that you can do is if you don't have pear juice, um, which is, is, is common, um, you can uh, use pomegranate instead. Mm-hmm. And instead of St. Germain, if you're not really a St. Germain person, you can substitute that for an ounce of brandy or cognac. And that gives mm-hmm. it a really interesting kind of a darker, um, obvi- obviously a darker look, but also a darker kind of flavor profile, a little bit boozier. Um, so it's really nice uh, as well. And obviously you just float the champagne at the top. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really, you could do pretty much any juice. And even if you wanted to do, like if you're a big fan of mimosas, you could do like an ounce of orange juice and then like an ounce of Cointreau, which is an orange liqueur that um, has like a like a brandy cognac backing to it, which is why uh, Cointreau is like four times the price of regular triple sec. Um, but you could do that. But I think that there's just something about like the brandy cognac St. Germain that just gives it like a little bit more of like this luscious mouthfeel and just makes it feel classier um, and more exciting. And that's what you want to be when you're having your red carpet event for the Oscars that's right. is you want to be classy. You want to be, be exciting. You want to be fancy. That's that's right. And that's what we strive to be here at drink the movies. But that's right. so, so try those out. Let us know if you try any of those, if you have your own, like, like juice, like combo, uh, kind of thing you like to do, let us know because we, we want to know all that. We want to see pictures and give us some good ideas for our own Oscar party coming up. And then, uh, you know, we'll run through next week after the Oscars, what we ended up drinking at our party. But for now, Michaela, the time has come. We need to take a quick break. We need to, we need to have like five or six of these champagne cocktails, get ourselves some courage because we have to make our picks because yeah, it's, it's up in the air. It is Oscar season and let's go. So let's take a quick break and we'll be right back and figure this thing out. Spoiler warning for our 
drink the movies, Oscar pick nominations show. If you don't want to talk about any of the Oscar nominated films, you should probably stop now. I don't know what you're doing listening to this podcast at all at this point. Um, so press pause, go drink some cocktails. We are going to be uh, doing a recap of what actually won next week. So if that's really what you're interested in and you don't want us to, you don't want to hear us banter about what we think should win and why, um, that's fine. Come back next week uh, and we can chat about that. Yeah, absolutely. So we are we are geared up here for the Oscars, uh, the 2022 edition. We've got how many how many categories do we have this year, Michaela? It's like 13 or something, I think. So there's a lot. I'm, I'm counting now. No. 23. 23. Yeah, 2022 Oscars. There are 23 categories. We will be running through these um, in no particular order. I think the the order came from the first article I found when they made the announcements of who the nominees were. And I basically just copied and pasted that into an Excel spreadsheet. And that is where we are. Of course, we will be ending our conversation today with who's going to win best picture. Uh, but to start, Michaela, let, let's let's get let's get this ball rolling. Um, let's exciting, get this party ex- started. It's it's an exciting category. Uh, lots of lots of good options here. So take it away. All right. The first we're uh, we're hitting them high with best visual effects. The nominations for best visual effects are Dune, Free Guy, No Time to Die, Shang Chi, and The Legend of the Ten Rings, and Spider Man: No Way Home. So since mm-hmm. I get to mm-hmm set this up i guess you have to answer first as to what your pick was is that how this works yeah what my pick was okay so best visual effects so there were uh we have two marvel films on there um you have free guy which is based in the video game game world um actually i just watched that pretty recently the visual effects and that were were pretty good uh no time to die it's a little bit more um like practical looking uh less cg (laughs) stuff like you have in shang chi and in spider-man uh but i think that the obvious pick here is dune um, I think, yeah, it's just, it, it brought that world to life in such a way where it was entirely believable and it, it looked fantastic. And yeah, I think, I think Dune is the easy pick here. This is, this is, uh, one of the easier ones for me this year. Cause there's a lot of tricky ones. Yeah. Yeah. No, I have to agree. I did love free guy. Um, I thought that was such an interesting idea. Um, the whole storyline is great and it's great for kids. We have not talked yet really about it on mm-hmm. the show, um, if you have kids, uh, go watch it. It's on Disney plus it's really funny and it's adult enough where the adults are going to like it. It's fr- kid friendly mm-hmm. enough where the kids are going to like it. It's got a lot of really interesting themes. The visual effects in it are really cool. I, I, the more I saw it, cause I've seen it a couple times with my child now, it, it's actually really fun. Um, and the visual effects are really good, but Dune, absolutely incredible. I was really hoping that it would knock my socks off when I saw it and it did not disappoint. It re it, it went above and beyond uh, what I thought it was going to do. And it really did a great job of creating that sand world and all of the things mm-hmm. that you were, if you were a fan of the book or you were a fan of the original film in the, in the seventies or 84, 1984, whatever it was, it, it just does, it goes above and beyond and it's so good. So that's, so we both agree there. That's yeah. That's we bo- we both agree. And um, just uh, real quick before we move on, that is replaying in a lot of theaters this week and maybe next week following the Oscars. So if you have a chance to get out and see it in IMAX, it's one of the few times where I've seen something in IMAX and said, "Yeah, that was 
that was a very worthwhile um, experience. So definitely go check that out if you uh, have the opportunity and are interested in that. But moving on, we have Best Makeup and Hairstyling. Uh, so the nominees in this category are Coming to America, Cruella, Dune, The Eyes of Tammy Faye, and The House of Gucci, which we just covered on an episode a couple weeks back. So, Michaela, uh, you're doing your makeup, you're doing your hair. Uh, who, which team do you want doing it? <laughs> well, I mm, that's a good question. None of them, actually, because mm. I don't want to look like I live in 1978. I don't uh, want to look like Tammy Faye. Okay. Um, you know, I'm going to have to say, I really think that the work in the eyes of Tammy Faye was mm-hmm. amazing around uh, best makeup and hairstyling. Um, we will talk about this later, but Jessica Chastain, she's up for best actress. I think one of the reasons why she's up for best actress is because of the physical transformation that she does in mm-hmm. the eyes of Tammy Faye. And a lot of that is due largely to the hair and makeup job that is done. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's my pick for better, for worse. Yeah, that is that is a good pick. And I think that's probably the logical pick. Um, it reminds me a lot of the uh, Hillbilly Elegy last year where they completely like transform uh, those characters into looking like someone else. Um, my downside to the eyes of Tammy Faye is that I thought that she was really the only one who had standout hair and makeup. And that's why I'm going with the House of Gucci um, really uh, transformed. You had uh, Jared Leto, you had Al Pacino, who looked completely different. Lady Gaga's hair and makeup was spectacular throughout. And yeah, I think House of Gucci gets its one Oscar on its one nomination here. So yeah, yeah. so we can't, uh, well, we can't pick all these the same. I think you might have right. picked the smarter one, but that's okay. That's okay. That's a, Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be upset if House of Gucci won. All of these are really good. I think the only one that would, that would seem a little bit like a cop out to me is coming to America because so many of those were characters that kind of came back. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe the, maybe the makeup is harder to do now because the characters are all older and you're, you're, I don't know. So maybe yeah, that's I why. think, it, I think it was more hairstyling like, um, like his daughters, their hair was amazing. Oh, that's uh, the, a great point. The styling in yeah. there, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. It wasn't just about all the things that Eddie Murphy could be, all the characters. Right. That's, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. Excellent idea, yeah. Okay, well, for the next one, um, I think we're probably both going to agree on this one. It is Best Costume Design, and mm, the nominations mm-hmm. for Best Costume Design are Cruella, Cyrano, Dune, Nightmare Alley and West Side Story. Now, I remember watching this uh, film. Uh, I remember getting five, 10 minutes into it and turning to maybe you, we might've watched it together. And I said, this film is gonna win best costume design. And Mm. that my friend is Cruella. That (laughs) is my pick. (laughs) Yeah, and uh, that is Cruella. I mean, uh, nothing against the rest of these, Uh, the costumes and uh, West Side Story were really good. I will say that they weren't as grabbing necessarily at all the time. I mean, you have the big scene in West Side Story where she puts on the red dress with kind of that red belt, um, which I think was more impactful in the original one. Um, like that, it seemed like a more monumental thing. So, uh, but I mean, the other stuff, um, uh, the dresses and stuff, the Nightmare Alley stuff is is great and very kind of time period uh, good. Serrano, actually, I, I didn't think that the costume design was all that. Uh, spectacular I think, I think spectacular I but yeah I feel sometimes with these period uh dramas that they have they almost have to give them that because it's hard to rec- recreate these big kind of 
old, old timey clothes, I guess. I, I don't know. I mean, I thought it was, I thought they were fine. Um, but yeah. I agree. I, I was a little puzzled why out of all the things we could have given accolades to Cyrano to, that's what we chose. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, Cruella, she's a fashion designer and it's just, it's just a movie about her designing and wearing these different fashions. So uh, it makes sense. And I think that that's going to win. And I think, yeah, I think we're, we're both uh, pretty locked in on that one. So best sound we've got Belfast, Dune, No Time to Die, The Power of the Dog and West Side Story. Uh, so this is, this is for sound design, um, sound editing. Uh, you have your musicals, uh, their West Side Story, those traditionally do pretty well. But what do you think about the uh, what do you think about sound this year, Michaela? Oh, this is tough. Um, this one's really tough. I thought that the sound editing in No Time to Die was actually pretty great. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it, No Time to Die. I was I was not surprised that it got um, sound and visual effects or sorry. It gets it gets sound and one of the others that we're going to talk about, I believe, because it's nominated for two. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not surprised by those, but this this one's really tough. Um, this was one that is that that I that I'm waiting until this very minute to decide on. I really thought that the sound in Belfast was also awesome, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's what I'm going to choose. I think I'm going to choose Belfast, and the reason why is because that opening scene. Um, which if you've not seen Belfast, it's, it's about, it's about, um, being in Belfast in, during a very, uh, very tough time growing up in mm-hmm. that period. And yep. during kind of this riot, there's a lot of glass breaking. There's a lot of popping sounds. There's a lot of bomb kind of, uh, explosion sounds and you're hearing, um, you're hearing it all from kind of this boy's perspective and I thought that that was really, really powerful. That scene still kind of haunts me. Um, and so that's why I'm going to give it to Belfast. That's what that it's probably going to be no time to die, but I'm going with my heart on this one. So we'll see. Okay. Uh, yeah. The, the sound design in no time to die was great. Obviously. Um, like I mentioned, West side story musicals uh, traditionally do pretty well in this category, uh, but I'm going to go again with Dune because um, I think that the sound is really kind of an integral part of building that world. Like it's, it's almost like its own character, just like the percussiveness and things of the sound. And you have all of the, you know, these huge machines and uh, kind of these tremors of like the sandworms and stuff like that. So I think that that sound editing uh, coupled, you know, with, with the cast and just that kind of a scene, scenescape that they put together, um, I think really all ties it in together. So I'm going with Dune for best sound. What about, what about, uh, you know, we're talking about sound. What about songs, Michaela? <laughs> well, best original score is the next uh, award up for us to talk about. So timing is correct on there. Uh, mm-hmm. For best original score, the nominations are Don't Look Up with Nicholas Bert- Bertel, Dune by Hans Zimmer, uh, Encanto with Germaine Franco. I'm hoping I'm saying that his first name correctly. Parallel Mothers from Alberto Iglesias. And then the power of the dog with Johnny Greenwood. Now, for you, um, we have not talked about how you felt about the scores of any of these. So, what mm-hmm. are your thoughts? Yeah. So, I, I will say, by and large, I was not really blown away by the scores of most of these films. Um, I think I 
this one was a, a tough one for me. And I think that my pick is probably going to be Encanto um, just because of the original uh, music in there. Um, it's hard for me to not pick the power of the dog because Johnny Greenwood is the guitarist for Radiohead. And we've talked about how much I love Radiohead in the past. Um, so, so that one's, that one's tricky. It's a very integral part of that. Um, it's also hard to not pick Hans Zimmer for Dune, but I will say that as much as I love the sound and the percussiveness of Dune, I did not really love the score. Um, like it, it felt like it was a part of the world, but it wasn't, I don't, I don't know. It's hard to describe. It's hard to describe. Um, so, so yeah, so I'm going to, I'm going to hedge my bets. I'm going to go with the, uh, the Pixar, the original songs uh, from Encanto and Jermaine Franco. Okay. Well, I, uh, one thing when I was watching Power of the Dog, one thing that did strike me, which I was very surprised with was how much I did love the score. And so there is a moment, if you're ever going to watch Power of the Dog, um, you've seen it, obviously, Brian, but for any of our listeners who have not yet seen it, there's a moment where the, you know, it's a very slow burn, okay? If you're only going to watch the first 20 minutes of it, it's going to be the most boring thing you've ever watched, probably. And no no offense to anybody who made it or loved it. It's a very artsy film, and it is so beautiful. But it is not an action-packed film. There's a part halfway through the film where the score literally is its own character to me. And Mm. because of the score, you know that the tides have turned and some, the change has occurred and it's only because of the score. I mean, because it's because of what's happening. And I I don't want to explain it too much more than that because I don't want to spoil it Mm. to me that it struck a chord in me where I was like, Oh man, holy moly and it just that that's what it's supposed to do i think in in, right. in a score and i i finally get it it took me a very long time for me to really understand um the and appreciate the idea of a score in that way not being a music uh kind of uh, someone who writes music and composes music and understands all that so mm-hmm. um, but that's why i picked power of the dog so hopefully one of us will win on that one uh yeah that's, win on that's right either in i mean that's or power of the dog I mean, I could have, like I said, I could definitely see it being the the Hans Zimmer soundtrack, the score for for Dune. Um, but yeah, the power of the dog. It's it's pretty magical, um, and obviously that's why it's getting the accolades and the praise. Where you just have all of these kind of components of the film uh, coming together to tell this story. So yeah, so we'll have to see a different pick there. Uh, but what about best original song? So staying with our music theme here, we have Be Alive from the film King Richard. Uh, that is by Beyonce. Uh, Dos Oroguitas from Encanto. That was by Lin-Manuel Miranda. Down to Joy from Belfast by Van Morrison. No Time to Die from the movie No Time to Die by Billie Eilish. And Somehow You Do from the movie Four Good Days. Uh, which was by Diane Warren. Now, in our preview show, when we did our Oscar nominations, we each had to pick a lock that we were going we were going to stick with. Stick with. We're not going to hold ourselves to that necessarily, but I'm holding myself to it because No Time to Die, Billie Eilish, she's going to win. She's going to be there performing. I can't wait to see it. Uh, word on the street is Beyonce might actually be there to perform too. So I guess we'll we'll see how that goes. But it's going to be No Time to Die. It's it's the best Bond song of them all. Oh, wow. That's real bold, dude. <laughs> wow. Okay. Better than, better than Tina Turner's golden eye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. I mean, I think I'm going to have to agree with you there. I think no time to die is going to win. Um, that being said, I really did love be alive. Um, 
I, I'm not mm-hmm. a huge, huge Beyonce fan. There's a couple of her songs that I really love. And that was one of them. Uh, and then of course, down to joy, I did really love. So I'd be okay with either one. Well, any of these could win. Um, except perhaps somehow you do. I love Diane Warren, but that, that song, I don't know. It, it was a little grating for me. I didn't quite, I, it didn't resonate with me. So I think we're both going to agree. No time to die. No time to die. Billy Eilish. So we'll, we'll see if we are right, uh, there on our, uh, music picks. Yeah. Well, moving on to uh, some shorts. Uh, thankfully, there were some shorts in this list. Now, they weren't mm-hmm. real short. Uh, most of these were right at the cutoff of what a short is for Best Live Action Short. Um, the nominees for this category are Alakachu, Take and Run, The Dress, The Long Goodbye, On My Mind, and Please Hold. Which one of these is your pick? Yeah, so uh, these were all pretty good this year. Um Alakachu, Take and Run, you and I got a chance to watch that one uh, together, actually. Uh, the Dress and Long Goodbye, uh, really good. Uh, Please Hold, I thought was really interesting. It was almost like an episode of Black Mirror, if you're familiar with that TV show and, and watching that. And then All My Mind was kind of this really, uh, I, don't, I don't know, it was, like a, it was like a frustrating tale. And then it turned into this into this very sad tale. Um, and yeah, I mean, they were all, all really good. Um, kind of going into this, my, my two picks were between take and run and the dress. Um, I thought that those were both really excellent. Um, but I think that, um, the, the story told and the importance of take and run, uh, is what I'm going to go with this year for my, uh, live action short. Man, we're picking the same one. So I agree. So if, if for anybody that doesn't know what alakachu means, alakachu is the term for, uh, kidnapping and marrying someone. Mm-hmm. Um, which is still happening today. And I had no idea uh, what that was even about. Um, I didn't know that that was a term. I certainly didn't know that that was something that was like happening on the regular in parts of the world. So um, it's a great film um, to watch and it is shorter. So everybody should go watch it. All of these are really um, important films for various reasons. But mm-hmm. I think for... Um, for the paradigm shifting that it did within my own self, I really, I agree. I, I think that that should, for me personally, I think that's going to take home the Oscar. So. Yeah. That's one of the neat things about the live action shorts is they get to be, because they're shorter, um, they're able to tackle, you know, kind of these, these tough, really thought provoking uh, sort of, you know, sort of things going on in the world and uh, force you to analyze it. We didn't even talk about the long goodbye, which was uh, Riz Ahmed, which was, you know, spectacular. And that's on his uh, YouTube channel. So everyone needs to go watch that too, for sure, for sure. Yeah. But yeah, I think, um, yeah, Take and Run is the one I'm going with uh, for yeah. my live action shorts here. All right, we are on to the next short subject, which is documentary shorts. Uh, So this year, the nominees are Audible, Lead Me Home, The Queen of Basketball, Three Songs for Benazir, and When We Were Bullies. Now, last year, I have to say, I liked the the short documentaries a lot more as a whole than these this year's short documentaries. Uh, But what do you think? Which one of which one of these really stood out to you this year, Michaela? Oh, I'm I'm really torn because there's been so much buzz around three songs for Benazir. I mean, mm-hmm. so much buzz. However, for me, I I honestly got confused. I thought we were watching a live action short and not a documentary because of how it uh, was done. And so I I really struggled with the documentary portion of it. Um, mm-hmm. I think it tells an amazing story. Um, 
that is a true, that's true. I mean, because it is a documentary. Um, so I'm really torn because of that, because I think that it's probably uh, got a, a more paradigm shifting footprint. So it's probably going to win. But my personal favorite uh, out of these was the queen of basketball, um, mm-hmm. because I had no idea that we ever, that the, that the NBA ever actually tried to uh, recruit a female into the NBA before, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, and it tells that great story of um, one woman who did it, who, and we all, well, not, maybe not all of us, but most of us have no idea who she is. So mm-hmm. um, ultimately the queen of basketball is my pick. Yeah. Um, that being said, I'm probably going to be wrong and it's probably going to be three songs for Benazir, <laughs> but that's, that's just the way that's going to work, I guess. So that that's how it, that's how it could work sometimes. Yeah. Um, again, same thing with the uh, documentary shorts as the action shorts, they all can get into, you know, these little stories that you might not necessarily have heard or be kind of full enough topics to fill out an entire like full length documentary. So I think that they're really important. And that being said, I think that all of these are really important stories. The audible uh, story about the, the deaf high school I thought was, was really great. The homeless crisis um, and leave me home. Uh, you know, the story of three songs of Benazir, which you talked about um, kind of this uh, the, when we were bullies, you know, talking about, about bullying, uh, not my favorite documentary by far, but I think that it's still an important subject. Um, but the one thing that stood out about the queen of basketball to me is that it's a really important story. It's very much like a, a good feel good story, uh, which was nice. And I think that as a documentary, it stood out as being just a better put together documentary than the other ones did for me. And that's why I'm going with queen of basketball for my documentary short subject. I do love at the end, I don't want to spoil it for people, but you get to meet the queen of basketball and it is much more uplifting than, than some of the other ones. Right. I mean, it is, mm-hmm. which is nice to see. Um, these are really important topics, um, but they, they can be a real bummer, especially when you're watching like 55 of them one after another. So <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> uh, one more short that we have to go through and that is best animated short, um, which is usually one of my f- favorite categories. Mm-hmm. Uh, the nominations are affairs of the art, Bestia, Box Ballet, which is the one that we were not able to actually see, mm-hmm. Robin Robin, and The Windshield Wiper. Yeah, that's right. Um, the best animated short is always a really fun category because you get, you always get like a good like mashup of like cute stories and then like really like, like avant-garde, like art piece type things. So it's just like a, it's just like this wide range of stuff you get. Um, so stuff like Affairs of the Art, um, and Bessio, which are which are more of like these art pieces uh, kind of things. Uh, you have something like the windshield wiper, which is really cool. It kind of you know examines like what love is. Um, and I just actually learned this uh, just shortly before we started recording that um, the person that did the windshield wiper had worked on uh, Spider Man uh, into the Spider Verse, uh, which makes right. sense because I was watching it and I was like, oh, this art style looks kind of familiar, but I couldn't really place it. So that makes that makes sense. Um, but I think, I think I'm going with the, the feel good, the Christmas time tale. I'm going to go with Robin Robin. It's so cute. It tells such a great story. Um, it's a little unfair because it's like 40 plus minutes long. So, I mean, it, it's, it's almost a full length, uh, animated film at that point. But yeah, I think, I think Robin Robin, just the story, the heart, 
um, the message it sends. And yeah, I think it's going to be like one of my like uh, Christmas rotation, you know, as long as yeah. it stays on Netflix, I'll be able to, you know, just, just put it on, throw it on with the rest of the uh, holiday specials. So. Absolutely. I did love um, affairs of the art. I thought that was so well done. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought it was really beautifully. Um... Oh gosh. What is the word when someone speaks over it? Oh, like a, like a, like a voiceover. Yes. But uh, narrated. I thought it was so narrated. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I loved um, the art was great. Like the art in it was beautiful and the story was just super kooky and, and bestia was just very messed up. Um, It it was, it was brilliantly done. Um, But, and I had no idea what it was really about. So it was very shocking. That's not for kids. Ladies and gentlemen, Beastia, not, <laughs> not for, for not for kids, not for kids, not, not for kids. kids. And really, affairs of the art. There's a lot of nakedness. So if that's going to bother you as a as a as a parent, don't let your kids see that either. Um, Robin Robin is my pick as well um, because it's one of those that still has it had the paradigm shiftingness in within myself. It the animation was really great. Kind of that stop uh, stop animation with mm-hmm. kind of the textures and. Um, I just really, really liked it. And so, yeah, we're three for three. So hopefully we are all right. (laughs) Hopefully, hopefully we're right. Or we're going to be dialing up zeros there for sure. For sure. But yeah, that takes care of the shorts for us. Now we're going to start getting back into these uh, full length films and we're going to be starting out with the best animated feature film. So this year, the nominees are Encanto, Flea, Luca, The Mitchells versus The Machines, and Raya and the Last Dragon. So we've got two Disney animation and one Pixar, uh, which is also uh, Disney there. Um, and then Mitchell's The Machines and uh, Flea. But what do you think? What about animated feature films this year, Michaela? I, I'm always torn. So this is the second year in the row where I felt like it's kind of a shoe in and it's a shame because there's others um, that are really <laughs> When in doubt, pick, pick the <laughs> Pixar one. Right. Um, so... Encanto is my choice because I think it's kind of a given it's going to win. Everybody loved it. Um, we covered it. Um, it is beautiful. It's the music is beautiful. The story is great. Um, however, I, I would, I really, my favorite this, this year was Mitchell's versus the machines. So if it wins, uh, I really hope it actually does win. I think Encanto (laughs) is going to win. But I hope Mitchell versus the Machine wins um, because it to me it's a better story, <laughs> it's a more realistic. St- well, maybe not realistic, but it's a more. It's certainly not realistic. It's about robots that come to attack us. But it's um to me it's just a much more kind of it. It had a lot more layers, I think, and the differences in the characters was it wasn't. I don't know. It just hit me differently than Encanto. Mm-hmm. Um, and perhaps that's unfair. I, I don't know, but you know, it's all subjective. So I hope Mitchell's versus the machines wins, but I think Encanto is going to take it home. So what do you think, Brian? Yeah. I mean, it's hard, it's hard to say, right. Um, you have Encanto, which we did an episode about, um, you have Rhea and the last dragon, and those are two of the most beautifully animated things I've ever seen. Uh, the way that they look is just absolutely spectacular. The stories in those, the story in Luca, obviously you have Flea, which is nominated for uh, Best Documentary Feature, which we'll talk about here um, as well. But 
I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, you made you made a really good argument for Encanto. Everyone loved it. The colors are amazing. Um, I I had said it was going to win uh, best uh, uh, whatever original score. But yeah, I think for me, I'm going with Mitchells versus the Machines because I think it just it just kind of transcended what an animated movie could do, kind of in the same way that. Uh, this is a Sony Pictures thing, same kind of way they did with the Spider-Man Spider-Verse film. So I think I think it kind of bumps it up a little bit. And like I said, when in doubt, pick the Pixar film. But I'm a I'm throwing that logic out the window and I'm going with the Mitchells versus the Machines, best animated feature film. Well, that may that may be the reason you win next this this year, because uh, three, three years in pick? a row, hopefully three, three, <clears throat> three years in a row. It's fine. It's fine. It's OK. It's OK. So that brings us to our next best documentary feature. Um, I'm still torn on this. I know I have a pick on here, but I'm still thinking about it. Um, mm, okay. Best documentary feature. Okay, so the nominations are Ascension, Attica, Flea, Summer of Soul, or When the Revolution Could Not Be Televised, and Writing with Fire. What were your thoughts, Brian? Yeah, so I am the I'm the resident uh, documentary watcher here. So you sure I had, are. I had like all of these watched like before the Oscar picks were like even announced. Um, and I, I you uh, you held off on on these. We actually watched uh, Riding with Fire uh, together last night. That was one of the last two things that we had to watch. So uh, it just came available to stream last night. So we finally got to watch that. And I am really glad that we did because it is an amazing story. Um, those are amazing women doing amazing things in India. It's really important. I think that everyone goes and watches that it's well worth the, the $5, uh, that you pay to your streaming service to be able to watch that. Um, so that one, that one is a really good pick. I see that you have that one, uh, pre-picked, um, Ascension. I thought, I thought was interesting for a little while. Um, it did not hold my attention for, for longer than, than a little while. Um, I, th- I think that stuff like that is important. It's important to see that stuff. Um, kind of this disposable economy. I think that that is really interesting. Flea, of course, is brilliant. It's a it's a heart wrenching story. It's like this it's like this hand drawn kind of thing, which they did to yeah, kind of protect the identity of the people that they were they were covering in it. Um, that's great. Summer of Soul. Uh, you and I talked about this a little bit off air. Um, it, the footage of this event that exists is incredible. Um, the event itself is was incredible. I'm, I'm assuming, or it's incredible that it, that it happened, but the fact that the footage of it still exists, it didn't, you know, they recorded it and were like, well, we don't have anything to do with this and throw it away. No, it's, it's still around and it could still be here, but I didn't think it didn't hit up like all the notes for me that it needed to as, as a documentary, um, just as like a, like a historical, uh, kind of footage thing. I thought that was great. Uh, but my pick is going to be Attica because the story is so brilliant, uh, similar to summer of soul it blows my mind that footage of this still exists and it wasn't immediately thrown away by the, the people who were carrying out the atrocities there. I, it's, it's unbelievable to me. Um, it, it's really good. It's really important. It's really well framed as a documentary. And I think Attica is, is going to take it, but yeah, it was, it was hard not to pick writing with fire, but I think Attica, Attica just, it ticks all the boxes and uh, it's great. Go watch it. Yeah. Yeah. So before we started watching uh, Writing with Fire, I think we talked about this and I said, Attica is by far going to be my pick um, mm-hmm. and for all the reasons that you've just said, right? I, I loved uh, aspects of all of the nominations and I hadn't seen Writing with Fire yet. And then of course, Writing with Fire, it's, it's amazing. And it's about an all women led newspaper 
that um, that are also members of the lowest caste um, in India, which is like huge. And they have they they've come literally from nothing and built up this viewership and um, got into digital journalism and it's amazing. Um, and it's, it's also, you know, it's India. So it's, it's a place where being a, a journalism that is any sex and any cast is also, is actually pretty dangerous depending on mm-hmm. uh, the kind of journalist that you are um, and not, you know, not bent. So <laughs> um, it's really hard. Cause that was so near and dear to my heart, but I think you're right. I think Attica, it, it, as far as when you look at the the whole picture of what a documentary should be in as in terms of setting up the story and interviews and um, again the content uh, itself, um, Attica is probably going to win. So that's going to be my choice. Even though I loved writing with fire, and if it wins, I'm going to be real happy. Um, so that's <laughs> yeah. gonna, that's going to be my pick as well. Um, for anybody that w- is not normally a documentary watcher um go see both of those i mean you should see mm-hmm. all, well you know and summer of soul is actually really um it's a it's really a feel-good documentary mm-hmm. it's it's got great performances of music and it's just really fun so and you can get it on disney plus so it's great you, you the whole family can watch it um attica not not for kids um you know, all of these others are probably not really something that just anybody, you know, the whole family can watch, but um, yeah. Attica is really important uh, as an American um, white person. I thought it was really important for me to see. Yeah. One of the, one of the things that I really like about um, documentary uh, subjects um, in relation to the Oscars is that generally speaking, the people that are making documentaries aren't doing it for, you know, they're not doing it because they got paid $20 million from, you know, Time Warner to, to make this documentary, right? They're doing it because it's something that they love and they're passionate about. And you can just see how like genuinely excited uh, they are to, to be nominated and to have their work in front of people. So really, it, to me, it doesn't matter who wins. It's just important for those stories to get told, whether, you know, if you think it's, you know, that good of a documentary or not, it's just a lot of passion into those projects. So I think that that's cool. Yeah. No, I, I agree. All right. Well, we've got some we got some more categories here to go. We're getting into uh, you know, some of the some of the big ones here. This one's a tricky one this year. Uh, so navigate carefully, Michaela. But we have best international feature film. We have Drive My Car from Japan, Flea, as we just talked about from Denmark, The Hand of God from Italy, Lunana, a yak in the classroom from Bhutan, and the worst person in the world from Norway. Take it away, Michaela. So I really loved Lunana. I thought it was amazing. Um, it was it was definitely something that was a front runner for me. Um, mm-hmm. Drive my car I, for the. We're going to talk about it later because it is also nominated for best picture. It's it's amazing. Um, it's long and it's it you know that might uh, deter some viewers from watching it. Flea was also really beautiful. We talked a little bit about that already. Um, Hand of God. I had, I had some issues with Hand of God. Um, you know, it was very, it's, it's, it's a really interesting story about an Italian family in, I think the eighties. Um, they yeah, love it was like football. 1982 or something, I think. Yeah, yeah. They love football more than they love each other. It's very strange. Um, as an American, I, 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 it needed, I probably need to rewatch it to really get my head around, uh, some of it. Um, and 
you know, the, later, gosh, in the season, later in the season of Oscar time, the worst person in the world started really making this splash, right? Saying it's going to be mm-hmm. so amazing. And so we could not wait to see this. And when we finally were able to watch it, we did. And I really liked it. I don't know why the lead actress wasn't given more of an Oscar nod because I thought she was brilliant. Um, mm-hmm. I have a feeling that, I mean, it could really upset because Drive My Car is get was kind of uh, the aforementioned front runner. Um, mm-hmm. So it could upset it, but Drive My Car is going to be my pick. I think that it covers some really amazing topics. It's a great relationship study. And the the way in which the characters are developed and the acting is superb um it's it's just it's just brilliant so i couldn't find anything really wrong with it other than the fact that it's long and then there mm-hmm. are some there were some t- shots that seemed a little bit gratuitous to me um but but that was it so that's my pick yeah. drive my car yeah, we'll we'll talk a little bit about uh, more about drive my car when we get to the uh, the best picture category, which uh, should lead you to believe that drive my car would win the best international feature film. I had a lot of trouble going back and forth between this and the worst person in the world, but um, I'm going with drive my car. Um, I think it's it's nearly flawless. Um, there were there were a couple couple of things that kept worst person in the world from being nearly flawless. Um, I thought so. Yeah, drive my drive my car from Japan. That's that's my pick on international feature film. But but that was that was a tough one. I could I could totally see worst person in the world uh, taking it, and I wouldn't even necessarily call it an upset because I think it would be uh, worthy of winning the award too. Sure, sure. Well, the next category is best production design. It's one of my favorites. So we talked about this last year, but for anybody that doesn't know, best production design is all about the scenery, right? Making sure that Mm -hmm. the space, the scenes that we're looking at, not the costumes or the makeup or anything with the characters, but the scenery around the cars that they're driving, the world that's being created, that that looks um, amazing, right? And that it it does its job. So for best work in production design, the, uh, the nominations are Dune, Nightmare Alley, The Tragedy of Macbeth, West Side Story, and The Power of the Dog. What are your thoughts, Brian? Oh man, this is this is one of the hardest ones for me this year uh, because they all do, they all do what they did like really perfectly. So you have to decide <laughs> what kind of thing you want it to want it to be. Um, we talked a little bit about it. We covered the tragedy of Macbeth, and uh, that's that's kind of who I want to go with in my heart. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because all of all of those were just sets that were constructed, and everything had to be made to get it to look the way that it was made um so i I really want to pick that but then i really want to pick west side story because they come out onto the fire escape and there's like fifteen thousand pieces of laundry just strung across in such a certain way and it just looks so spectacular uh you can't even imagine uh power of the dog i think actually might be my kind of my my lowest one on on here yeah um the scenery and the cinematography of power of the dog are amazing but production design there wasn't that much there that really drew me um in as much as some of this other stuff um dune it's really hard to say because you didn't know what was done on a computer and what was uh actually being done in person um nightmare alley is 
it's amazing, like recreating, you know, kind of that, that carnival, uh, those sets, um, you know, and all the sets like it, like in the mansion and, and stuff like that, um, were really rich and, uh, really good, but, oh man, this one, this one's tricky, Michaela. Uh, this one's tricky. This one's tricky. This one's tricky. Uh, but I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with my heart. I'm going to say the tragedy of Macbeth, all that time spent on, uh, lighting rigs and sets to get those shadows just, just so I think is going to pay off. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think for me, it was a tough call because I love the tragedy of Macbeth for that reason that you just described, right? Where it's, you had to create this design work that looks like it almost could be on a stage paying homage to the stage, but Mm -hmm. also you're, you've got a camera, um, and Power of the Dog, I have a real problem with production design here because it's set in Montana. And anybody that's actually been to Montana or lived in Montana can look at the mountain range and tell you that that's not Montana. So it should be disqualified based on that alone, in my opinion. It's beautiful, but it's not Montana. Um, so they needed to find a mountain range that looked like a dog or something. I don't know. I don't know. Um, West Side Story is really tough for me because uh, it was so beautiful. The part that really made that for me was the be cool uh song where they're Mm -hmm. in um and they're actually i don't know exactly where they are but there's there's an ocean beneath them and they're kind of standing on these on these boards um in like an old theater or uh, and it's this old kind of run down area on the side of the on the side of their town Mm -hmm. um and that I thought was really different because it, it I don't remember that being in the first uh, West Side Story mm-hmm. versus kind of, you know, there was so much that was elaborated on for this one. So, and then Nightmare Alley, I just struggled with this one, uh, this film. I liked it. There were a lot of things I liked about it. It was really um, beautifully created. Um, but yeah, so I, uh, man, I think Dune's going to win on this, um, but I, hmm. but you've picked Tragedy of Macbeth. I'm going to go with Dune because I think, okay. I think you're right. My favorite is Tragedy of Macbeth, but I think Dune's going to win for production design. Okay. So that's what I'm going to pick. And I'm probably well, going to be wrong, but that's right. okay. <laughs> there, there you go. I, th- I think we'll, uh, I, and maybe we'll both be wrong and we'll we'll both chalk it up to experience. Maybe it'll be Nightmare Alley. Yeah. Um, a lot of buzz around Nightmare Alley for this one, which is weird to me. I mean, the the see this it 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 does look really great. And that scene at the end with the um uh in the in the graveyard, that looks spooky as heck, man. It's like really gross and gnarly and with the fog, and you know, it's very it's just yeah. very gritty and it looks yeah. great, but see now I'm now I'm now I'm rethinking all the all the stuff that they do like on the stage in Nightmare Alley looks great. So yeah, I mean I any of those I guess could could probably win and it wouldn't be a surprise to me. So I guess we'll have to see how our picks go. And we'll have to see how our pick for best film editing goes. So the nominees for best film editing are Don't Look Up, Dune, King Richard, The Power of the Dog, and Tick Tick Boom. Michaela, what say you about film editing? So this is really hard. Um, this one was really hard for me. Um, so I'm just going to say it. I'm going to pick Tick, Tick, Boom, because I think that what what Tick, Tick, Boom was 
it was a one man show. It then turned into like a three person show on the stage and it needed a, a ton of work to be edited into the movie that we see now. Mm-hmm. And um, with a lot of the different scenes, putting them together and creating this story that tells um, how, you know, Jonathan Larson's kind of life was it during this eight day period or nine day period around his 30th birthday was just amazing. It's mm-hmm. one of my favorite films of this year. So that's what I'm picking. Yeah, that's, that's a really good pick. Um, oftentimes like musical kind of things do pretty good in film editing because there are a lot of quick cuts. Um, I like editing to be pretty quick. Um, I think last year we both were super high, like on the trial of Chicago seven, um, which was quick cut. And that actually kind of reminds me a lot of the editing and tick, tick, boom, where you're going kind of weave in these, uh, storylines and together. Um, yeah, I mean, this, this one's tricky. Um, I think that I'm probably going to go, Oh man. Oh, I don't know. Um, I, none of the, none of these like super, super stand out to me. Um, tick, tick, boom was probably my favorite, but I'm going to pick something a little bit different. Um, we've talked about it a couple of times now, but I think that I'm going to go with the power of the dog. Um, just because the way, um, you know, we'd mentioned it, we'll talk a little bit more about it, but it's really long. It's really kind of this grinding thing. Um, and it holds these shots kind of just to like in this perfect length of time. Um, I actually think maybe uh, drive my car should have been on here instead of these things, but uh, I digress. I digress. So I'm going to go with power of the dog for best film editing and, and we'll, we'll see, we'll see if either of us were right. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, One of the things though, I did love about, there's a couple of scenes in King Richard that really shine. I mean, all of these are great. It's, it's, this is hard. This is hard. (laughs) It's hard. hard. (laughs) This is hard stuff. That's why we made three champagne cocktails before we got started. That's (laughs) That's right. So uh, the next one is best cinematography. Um, The nominations are Dune, Nightmare Alley, The Power of the Dog, The Tragedy of Macbeth, and West Side Story. Brian, what did you choose? Uh, that's, that's right. So we've, so we're into the part of the show now where all of these movies just start to get redundant and you see all the same things. So, uh, you have, you have Dune, which, which is spectacular. It's building this, this huge, huge world. I talked to about it earlier, seeing it in IMAX, like it's like, that was kind of the takeaway I took from it was that I didn't understand how you could make something look so big, like even on the big IMAX screen, it, it just looked unbelievable. Um, Nightmare Alley, we talked about the power of the dog, um, is is gorgeous i don't care if it's in montana or not last and mohicans was filmed in scotland so uh get out of here with uh, your complaints about that so uh power of the dog stunning uh tragedy of Macbeth. Uh, those camera angles had to be had to be perfect um and west side story it's a musical musicals always do really good in cinematography because you have the dancing you have uh a bunch of moving camera parts i will say that i think that the best cinematography uh kind of like the best film editing probably should have been drive my car but it's not nominated so i'm gonna go with the power of the dog because it's gorgeous and uh kind of that that scenery that setting uh you know all the the camera shots is really uh kind of integral and almost plays a part in the movie and that that's why that's why i'm picking it i think it's the it's the safe and smart pick there yeah so I totally agree with you. Um, so cinematography is different than the art direction, right? So 
it wasn't filmed in Montana and I don't care about it from the cinematography standpoint because the shots are beautiful. Um, the way there's a scene where uh, Benedict Cumberbatch's character is like taking a, take a, he's taking a bath in a lake or he's taking a swim in a lake and he's got this scarf and the way that the, the way that the light shines on the scarf is just beautiful. Um, it was really tough though, because tragedy of Macbeth, the way in which they're like, you have to move this way because the camera is moving this way to get these shadows just right. Um, this was always really tough for me because um, I think that there's, it, 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 because there's a lack of special effects there, it was probably much harder um, mm -hmm. to do in, in some ways, but we agree, Power of the Dog's probably gonna take it home, so. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And Power of the Dog is nominated again in our next category, which is the Best Adapted Screenplay. So we have Coda by Cyan Hader, The Power of the Dog by Jen Campione, Drive My Car by Ryosuke Hamagachi and Takamase Oe, Dune by John Spates, Dennis Villeneuve, and Eric Roth, and The Lost Daughter uh, by Maggie Gyllenhaal. So Best Adapted Screenplay. So that is a... Basically, it's a movie that's based on source material that already exists. So it could be like another another movie or a book or, you know, kind of a play, um, anything like that. So best adapted screenplay. Michaela, what do you think? Oh, this was really hard for me because I really love uh, I love both of the screenplay categories. Mm -hmm. um, I love Coda. I mean, I just love Coda. It's so great. And I didn't actually realize that this was from another movie. So I haven't seen mm -hmm. the original. Um and perhaps that would change my mind and make me pick Coda. I'm picking Power of the Dog because the um, the shortness with which the dialogue occurs, I think, is really what one of the things that carries the film through. Now, for right or wrong, it is a very long, slow burn, right? But I mm -hmm. think that the way that the script is written and the way that it's um, put together really defines that and helps that along. Um, I would have liked to have read the story that Drive My Car is based on. Um, and, and that's be because I would like to know how much extrapolation or not took place um, mm -hmm. because that's such a compelling story to me, but I pick Power of the Dog. Power of the dog. Yeah, that's, that's a good pick. Um, these, these were all really, really well done. Um, and shout out to, uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal lost daughter. That was, uh, kind of her Titanic. first crack at crack at doing this. And, and she did an excellent job. Um, I don't, I don't think she wins here. What does win here? I think, and this, this one's tricky because it, it could be a lot of these, but I'm going to go with Dune, um, because you really, you really feel like that book came to life on screen, when you're watching it, um, it hit all of the beats. It felt like these were actual places that you were going to and seeing, um, and you know, actual people in these characters. So I'm going with Dune as the best adapted screenplay. But I think I think Power of the Dog is probably the the smarter pick. But yeah, I I, I think Dune, Frank Herbert, cool. getting it done. All right. <laughs> well, so we've got one more screenplay left. And that's best original screenplay. The nominees are Belfast by Kenneth Branagh, Don't Look Up by Adam McKay and David Sirota, King Richard by Zach Balin, Licorice Pizza by Paul Thomas Anderson, and The Worst Person in the World by Joaquin Trier and Eskel Vogt. 
Yeah, so this is another tricky one because these were all uh, pretty good stories. We talked about uh, Licorice Pizza a couple weeks back and whether Paul Thomas Anderson was going to finally win his Oscar. And we both kind of agreed that this was his best shot at it in the three nominees that he or nominations that he got this year. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think um, I, I'm really torn here. I, I don't think it's going to be Licorice Pizza. My thoughts right now are between The Worst Person in the World and Belfast by Kenneth Branagh. Um, and maybe it's because Worst Person in the World is a little fresher on my mind. We just watched that last week. But I think that's original screenplay. I think I think Kenneth Branagh in Belfast is going to uh, take home the prize for the best original screenplay. Um, just kind of weaving weaving that story and putting it together and, and that uh, time in history, tumultuous Belfast. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that's, I think that's my pick. What about you, Michaela? Best original screenplay. So I picked Don't Look Up by Adam McKay and David Sirota. Um, and the reason why is because I think for this time and this place, it's probably one of the most important scripts um, or screenplays that, that we've seen or given, given, <laughs> given the context of what it is. And it was such an original idea of, mm-hmm. Something that, you know, because Belfast and and King Richard were both based on historical events, so to speak, right? Um, Licorice Pizza was was kind of its own love story, but it was also based in a time and place that was kind of nostalgic. The Worst Person in the World was the only other one that was kind of a completely made up story um, mm-hmm. that didn't, that wasn't, that didn't sit in a place in history um, so this one, I just really thought it should get kudos for its, its very fantasticalness, but also how the human, you know, condition would, would react to something like that. So that's why I picked it. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. So. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. We are, we are moving right along here, Michaela. We are, we are knocking these out pretty good. I think, I think our picks are all looking strong so far. Uh, but we're on to the next category here. We're into the big hitters now. So we've got best director. So we have the uh, aforementioned my pick for best original screenplay. We have Kenneth Branagh for Belfast. We have Ryosuke Hamagachi for Drive My Car. Paul Thomas Anderson for Licorice Pizza. Jane Campione for The Power of the Dog. And Steven Spielberg for West Side Story. Uh, he's won a bunch. Is he going to win another? I don't know. Paul Thomas Anderson's been nominated for a bunch. Is he going to win one? I don't know. But what do you know, Michaela, about the best director? So I'm going with Jane Campion for Power of the Dog. I think uh, it's 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 probably the strongest option. Although I really loved Kenneth Branagh's Belfast. I loved some of the choices that he made. Um, all of these were great. Um, I mean, all, all of these were really good. It would it wouldn't it wouldn't hurt my feelings if uh, Hamaguchi won for Drive My Car too because I thought he made some really great choices um in how he chose just the silence uh and some of the some of the the waiting periods within the conversations Mm -hmm. um and and doing some of these tight shots um really drawing out the emotions of a character uh in a in a culture where you're not you're not generally supposed to be super emotional um that that but but it was actors so it was kind of it, it, it was just it was just really interesting the way that he did that. Um, mm-hmm. So, but again, my ki- my my choice is Jane Campion, Power of the Dog. Yeah, my choice is going to be Jane Campion too. Um, I think that's just probably the the most logical, the most likely 
of those. I, they're all gr- great. I would really love to pick uh, Ryosaki Hamagachi for Drive My Car. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think Jan Campion is going to, going to take the Oscar for the uh, best director. Well, moving on to the actors. Best supporting actor. This is hard. Um, so we have Jesse Plemons for The Power of the Dog. We have the amazing J.K. Simmons for Being the Ricardos. Cody Smith-McPhee in Power of the Dog. Troy Kotzer in Coda. And Kieran Hines for Belfast. Oh, okay. Yeah, this one is tricky. Um, the the actor and actress nominations this year are all all pretty tough because they were all they're all pretty good or they're all they're all by and large really good um but in most of these categories there weren't ones that you really just step back and be like whoa that you know that uh that changes everything about about this actor troy kotzer is amazing and coda we both love coda so much yes. he's excellent he's excellent in it um jk simmons of of course is jk simmons and all of his works which is usually good enough to get an oscar nod uh for him uh jesse plemons was pretty good in the power of the dog i think but i at my pick i'm going to go with cody smith mcphee and the power of the dog i think there's there's something about um kind of his i i don't i don't know kind of this this quiet reserved demeanor that he just kind of carries throughout this whole thing and i think that's that's going to be my pick i don't know I, I don't know. I don't know if it's a, if it's a smart pick or not, but it is my pick. So, uh, oh. Cody Smith McPhee, Power of the Dog. He's so he is brilliant in it. He's so understated. He's so it's yeah no I I hear you. Um, I'm going with Troy Kotzer in Coda because mm-hmm. um, by golly I want Coda to win something. <laughs> um, it's it's really tough, right? Because Jesse Plemons. He's in the film for about seven and a half minutes of the power of the dog. He's not in it very long. So mm-hmm. I, I, I feel like if he'd been in it more, we would have been able to see more of what he does. Cause he's also really understated and brilliant and JK Simmons, gosh, everything he touches. It's like every year he's like, Oh, maybe I'll just win an Oscar. Let me go. He's just brilliant. Um, so, you know, they all did, they all did great. I wouldn't be mad if any of these, any of these people won because yeah. they all are deserving. This one's a really tricky one. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I really want, I, I really hope Troy Kotzer wins almost just from kind of that last, uh, kind of scene between him and uh, his his daughter uh, Amelia Jones, uh, there before she leaves. It's that's that's almost that's almost enough. Do I want to change my pick? I'll, I'll stick with it because we, because we have different ones. We've had too many of the same ones on these, so I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with that. But I hope that I hope that you uh, you win that point there for Troy Kotzer. So uh, that is our supporting act actor picks. What about supporting actress? So we have the nominees this year are Jesse Buckley for The Lost Daughter, Ariana DeBose for West Side Story, Kirsten Dunst for The Power of the Dog. Anjanue Ellis for King Richard and Judy Dench from Belfast. Uh, supporting actresses, Michaela, uh, all all pretty good. Uh, none of these stood out as phenomenal to me, but uh, what do you think? What do you think about the uh, supporting actresses here? Yeah, I I'm struggling. Uh, as you can see on my little spreadsheet here, I don't have any names because I I don't know. I I after seeing Power of the Dog, I thought Kristen Dunst did an amazing job. Um, I think what I am going to do though, I'm going to pick Ariana DeBose. And the reason why I'm going to do that, because I haven't been giving a lot of West Side Story, uh, love, 
Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And maybe it's because it's a remake. I, I don't know. Um, she was the best thing about West Side Story. Let me be clear. Uh, she was the best thing, in my opinion, best actress uh, acting wise, singing wise, dancing wise. She can do all of that. And she did all of that beautifully. And yep. I loved her passion. Um, and, you know, so um, that's who I'm going to pick. Yeah, that that is a good pick. She is she was by far, I think, the best the best uh, brightest part of West Side Story. Um, it, just uh, just her singing and performing. But she's in that like yellow dress and going out through through town when they're doing uh, America. Uh, that was that was fantastic. She's fantastic. Uh, so kind of my two picks were between between her and Anjanu Ellis from King Richard. Um, I think both both really good. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to I think I'm going to go with you though. I'm going to go with Ariana DeBose from West Side Story as my pick for supporting actress. And we both we neither of us picked Judy Dench. That's that's weird, but that's okay. That's okay. I think I think it's not her year. I think I think it's Ariana DeBose's year. Um, yeah. But yeah. I mean, all, Judy Dench well, did win. All well done. All well done. All well done. Yeah. Yeah. Judy Dench has won, and uh, and she did amazing. She did do amazing, but. Best actor. All right. Let's we're getting into the big ones now. All right. right. So nominations are Will Smith for King Richard, Denzel Washington and the tragedy of Macbeth, Javier Bardem being the Ricardos, Benedict Cumberbatch and the power of the dog and my wonderful Andrew Garfield and tick, tick, boom. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Andrew Garfield, it was his year. He was, uh, he was a Spider-Man again. He was in Tick, Tick, Boom. He was in uh, whatever, The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Uh, he was in that. He was really good at that, on a side note. Um, but yeah, this one, this one's, this one's tough because they're all, they're all pretty good. Um, and if, if I'm thinking about it, there were, there were two of these performances that really stood out to me. And one I think is your pick, and that is Will Smith for King Richard. And the other is, is your bestie Andrew Garfield from Tick, Tick, Boom. So how am I supposed to pick between those two? Andrew Garfield's portrayal of Jonathan Larson was spectacular, near flawless. Uh, he could have been uh, Jonathan Larson up there for all I know. Yeah. Uh, who knows? He was he was fantastic. But I think that the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. I think it's his year. I think uh, I think Will I Smith think- is is going to take it. Um, there there was something really special about about his portrayal of uh, of Richard Williams. I think. Yes. Yeah, I didn't like uh, I didn't like Richard Williams. I was not a fan. Um, I liked parts of him, but uh, I also didn't like a lot of him, which really means. Uh, and I think he did that so well because he played like uh, like as a real human, right? Not not anyone is one hundred percent good or bad. So mm-hmm. um, you wanted him to win, you you know. And if you didn't know the story of how his daughters uh, Serena and Venus Williams kind of came up. Uh, to be the tennis amazing stars that they are now. Um, you know, yeah, I, th- I think you're right. But if Andrew Garfield won, I'd be really happy to be wrong. <laughs> Andrew Garfield, if you ever hear this, you're amazing. Yeah, <laughs> you're that's so amazing. That, yeah, that's right. And and I mean, no slight. I mean, Benedict Cumberbatch was was really good um, in uh, kind of a very, I don't know, toned down role. Javier Bardem is, is so great. I love watching him act and do anything. Because oh, yeah. he's always he's always just so fantastic at it, yeah. and then of course uh, Denzel Washington and uh, Tragedy of Macbeth, which we've talked about uh, plenty now, so all really good. But yeah, I think I think Will Smith here for the uh, the best actor uh, prize for 2022, uh, which leaves us with the best actress 
for 2022, and the nominations are Jessica Chastain for The Eyes of Tammy Faye, Olivia Coleman for The Lost Daughter, Penelope Cruz for Parallel Mothers, Nicole Kidman from Being the Ricardos, and Kristen Stewart from Spencer. Uh, Best Actress, Michaela, who stood out uh, this year? Uh, this was my only real category. Well, I, I talked about drive my car and a couple of snubs there. I, I, this was my one category that I thought had, had, had a snub or two in it. Tell me, what do you, what, what were your snubs? Well, so, so we watched, we watched this, uh, last night, uh, we watched parallel mothers and Penelope Cruz was excellent. Um, I, I thought, I thought she was good. Um, and, but she wasn't as good as Renate Ransva from The Worst Person in the World. Uh, yes. Definitely definitely needed a nomination for her in this category, I think. She was she was phenomenal in that role. Um, like I said, nothing, nothing uh, to take away from uh, Penelope Cruz there because she was good too. But I think that um, uh, Worst Person in the World, uh, Renate just was like, uh, was like next level. So I think that was definitely a, a snub. But, uh, but what about you? Best actress, Michaela, take it away. Oh man, this one's so tough. Um... This one's really tough because I love Olivia Coleman. And after I saw The Lost Daughter, I was like, well, that's it. We can, we can all go home now. <laughs> She's done it again. Um, Olivia takes her 19th Academy Award or something. <laughs> right, I don't know. Right. Um, I, I watched Spencer. I think Kristen Stewart has gotten so many accolades for her depiction of Diana Spencer. And the movie to me was kind of a hot mess. Um, I'm not a royalist, so I, you know, it, it, I think it did some things really well, but it was very, it was very hard for me to get into and fully enjoy, but apparently, (laughs) apparently she was amazing in it. Um, It was very, it was very hard for me to kind of, to, to really get into. So I, I think that performance was kind of lost on me and that's not because she was bad or anything like that. It's, I just, I just think I failed as, as an audience member. Um, so I, this is just so hard because I also really, I did really love Jessica Chastain's um, Tammy Faye Baker. I thought that she did an amazing job and Jessica Chastain has been nominated for a couple of things in the past that mm-hmm. have been amazing and she's not won one yet. And I think she's deserving. Um, so if she took home the Oscar, I would be so happy for her because she did a really great job. However, for me, um, I'm always going to pick the person that makes me think and changes my heart and changes my mind. And for this year, for me, that was Nicole Kidman in Being the Ricardos. I thought her performance was just about perfect. So that's the way she was fiercely both like uh, paranoid and like questioning her husband's fidelity all the time, but also fiercely tied to him as a teen mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, wanting to build this home and everything she did uh, as Lucille Ball in this film was trying to, you know, make um, herself a home and be a good friend and also do this convention, this really amazing physical comedy and, just the way, just the way in which that worked. It was just amazing. So. Yeah. I'd highly recommend everyone going and watching being the Ricardos. Cause I don't know if it got quite the, quite the love and publicity that it should have gotten because I thought that it was excellent um, film and she's excellent as uh, Lucy in it. So uh, yeah, that's, that's a good pick. Uh, Jessica Chastain, you mentioned um, eyes of Tammy Faye. She was, she was really good. Um, 
Olivia Coleman is Olivia Coleman. Uh, but I am going to go with uh, Miss Kristen Stewart as Diana Spencer in the movie Spencer um, because if 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 you didn't enjoy enjoy the film, uh, that's that's fair, that's valid. But it was it was kind of this deep dive into her mental state over that weekend and uh Kristen Stewart was just flawless at doing it and I think uh she's gotten a lot of accolades and I think she's going to get one more on Sunday night so my pick Kristen Stewart from Spencer but I hope you're right because I think a lot of people that did I guess know her know Diana said that she did it flawlessly um the cadence of her voice just was hard for me it was just hard but she does a really good job of well, I think the movie does a really good job of depicting um, Diana as a real human being, which mm-hmm. I thought was really, which I thought was really important. Um, that part I thought was brilliantly done because, you know, we idolize her now as this people's princess and we don't give a thought as much as we should about that royal family at all as being people with human feelings that maybe had mental health issues and dealing with um, a lot of things that we deal with all the time without being uh, under a microscope and a spotlight and all of that. Yep. Um, so, yes. Okay. So okay. that brings us one to more. the last one. <laughs> last, last one for for the year. So uh, this is this is for all all of the marbles, Michaela, as they say. All of them. All of them. So best picture. The nominations are Belfast, Coda, Don't Look Up. Drive My Car, Dune, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, Nightmare Alley, The Power of the Dog, and West Side Story. Indeed, we have 10 nominations. Now on our spreadsheet here, Michaela has two, two winners picked. I'm gonna make her, I'm gonna make her uh pick one for sure, for sure. But uh yeah, 10 pictures. Um, they were all they were all pretty good. Um, there were some there were some standout ones. There were some that I think are are probably not as good and worthy of being up here, uh, Nightmare Alley. But uh, by and large, all pretty good. So I've been watching along with the Oscar picks for quite a while. I usually go to Variety, and sometime like in the summer, they usually start to like update their Oscar big board. So I've been kind of kind of watching along and seeing how the thoughts and things have been moving along through here. So Drive My Car was an early one that came out. I think actually like at the first part of last year. So that was really high up on everyone's radar for a long time. Um, and then Belfast kind of took over that. Um, and then you had, uh, you had Coda over this past summer. It won a ton of awards. It was, uh, it was like the highest, um, like contracted film, like coming out of, I think it was cans like ever, um, Apple paid just like a crazy amount of money for Coda. It was like the most, most money ever paid for something coming out of cans. Um, and then you had the power of the dog, uh, which came out and uh, you started to get into award season and power of the dog won every best picture at every award show. It's, it's one like, like over a hundred or something, I think uh, best picture things. So uh, yeah. So a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, kind of twists and turns through the year, which, which isn't any different than any other year, which is why everyone releases their Oscar films as close to Oscar time as they possibly can. So that way the conversation is about them leading into the end of the Oscars. But Michaela, looking at these 10 movies, which ones stood out to you as your as your favorites? Uh, now, I know Coda, you and I have talked about that. We're going to talk about that here in a minute. But aside from Coda, which which one of these stood out or were there special moments or performances or just things from any of these that 
that you were really glad that you got to watch even, you know, even if, uh, even if it was three hours long, who knows? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I love don't look up. I mean, I thought that that was great. Um, I think King Richard was really, there were moments in King Richard when, you know, when you look at the work that had to be done, um, to get, you know, when, as a parent and you have dreams for your children and you want them to achieve greatness. Now, I don't know how much of that was dramatized and how much of it was real. Um, you know, I, I think maybe telling your, your partner that you're going to have to have some kids so that they can achieve greatness. Uh, that's, that may be a little, that, that might be a little bit too much living, living through your kids, but, <laughs> um, but there's a, there's an amazing scene where um, I think it's Venus is, has been given the opportunity to go train with like an amazing uh, trainer and mm-hmm. Venus and Serena cannot. I think that's, I think I've got that right. Um, because yep. they don't have enough money to do, to do both. And so um, Serena's mom is like, well, you know what? There, you, you're not, you're not done. We're still going to go train and we're going to, we're going to do all these tennis drills. And I thought that the way that it showed the whole family kind of supporting this dream of these two girls kind of going and mm-hmm. doing these amazing things. Um, and it wasn't perfect, you know, Richard, you know, he, he made, he made some mistakes along the way. A lot of people, he, he made a lot of people mad. He, he, you know, he was not perhaps the best husband. Um, you know, there were a lot of things that happened, but I, I (laughs) did love that. Um, they actually on King Richard, I, I believe that, uh, one of the Williams sisters, not Venus or Serena, but one of the, uh, the younger sisters, um, was on set as like a consultant. So I would imagine that it's, that it's fairly accurate or representative of what that family dynamic would have actually been like. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, and, and just to see the kind of work, cause they grew up in a place called Compton. If you don't know where that is, it's not, it doesn't look like an amazing place from the movie. Um, they had to literally fight off like gang members from, you know, the, the courts that they were trying to practice on, um, mm-hmm. you know, just to be able to do this thing um, and, and, do it well and do it well enough to play with the conventional rich white folks. Right. So I thought that that was an amazing story um, that I love to watch. Um, Nightmare Alley. Can we talk a little bit about that one? Cause I was really looking forward to it. It's Guillermo del Toro. He does a lot of really great stuff. I thought it was going to be like visually creepy and it was going to be totally not what it was. It was good. Um, It was well acted I don't quite understand why it made this list. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't quite, I mean, it, again, it's beautiful and it's well, it was well done. Yeah. It's yeah, it is. It is beautiful. It's very like saturated um, in this color and atmosphere and stuff. But yeah, I didn't, I didn't really necessarily agree with that one. I mean, you had stuff like worst person in the world or um, being the Ricardos, which had, you know, the three best acting uh, nominations come out of that. So uh, maybe that was more deserving of a place on this list than nightmare alley. But yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't think that, that for me, it didn't, it didn't fall into my top 10 of the year for sure. So uh, yeah, def- uh, definitely that we talked about Dune a couple of times and how it kind of transcended, um, you know, what, like, 
science fiction and um, like, uh, you know, like digital, like movie making and like technology and movie making, like what it could do. And we, we talked a little bit about it in our Dune episode that I think in, you know, 10, 20 years time, people will look back at Dune as making these huge leaps and bounds and what you're able to do in making a movie. Um, so I think that that's pretty great. Um, I don't think that it, it is enough to get it all the way to the best picture, but uh, it's real good. Uh, so, so go check that out. Um, don't look up was great. Uh, you know, the acting, the acting was great. You had Leo, you had uh, Jennifer Lawrence in there um, is a really timely story, a little too, no, too much on the nose uh, for my liking. You had West side story, a recreation of, you know, this, this classic, a musical and this multi multi academy award winning musical um from the from the 60s a retelling it's done by steven spielberg we both were super excited to see it see what he did with it and it it was beautiful um i had some kind of kind of hang ups on it i didn't think that it was i didn't think that it was great but i think that it was definitely worthy of being nominated for best picture uh, you had stuff like belfast um this black and white tale uh just this this fantastic kind of family story that's set in this in this weird kind of political uh, religious turmoil that's going on right. um I, which which is just a really interesting way to to tell a story and and you could definitely tell that 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 movie was was made and told with a lot of heart from Kenneth Branagh but but yeah I think I think for you and me Michaela there could only be two. There could only be two potential winners of this That's category. Right. So, so take it away, won't you? We. I will. Take, I will. take it away. So we both want Coda to win <laughs> because we both feel Coda should win. But we That's both right, yeah. know that at the end of the day, Power of the Dog is probably going to be the one that wins. That's right. Last year, last year we we both we both wanted Trial of the Chicago Seven to win. We both knew that it wasn't going to win, and we both picked it anyway. Uh, because we went with our hearts and not with our heads. So, uh, Michaela Coda, this is a movie I watched back, I think, like the first week that it came out. I'd heard all the stuff about it, how great it was. It was on Apple. And I told you for a long time to watch it. I had, I had to tell you for like weeks to watch this you thing. You and, then, and, then you, and then you finally did. And how good is it, Michaela? How good is Coda? It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good for so many reasons. It's good. It, it's, I'm going to cry. It's so amazing. It's amazingly written. The story is amazing. The shots are beautiful. The cinematography is great. I mean, there's, there's just nothing wrong with it. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with it. It couldn't, I don't think, I can't think of one thing that could have been any better. It's even got Joni Mitchell in it. I mean, it's amazing. There's nothing it's, wrong. It's, it's basically film. your perfect, it's your perfect movie, basically. It's basically my perfect. Movie. It's it's and sad. It's, it's heartfelt. It's well acted. It's beautiful. It has Joni Mitchell. It has all of your favorite things it's in one movie. In one movie, it's so good. And um, I am glad that it got at least nominated. I'm glad that it's made. It's got this groundswell around the cutoff for um, voting because mm-hmm. I think it was last Friday was the last day for the Academy to actually finish voting. Yep. So, yeah, I think that's right. Um, man. And so it was, I was really glad to see that it did pick up some great awards from Screen Actors Guild and Producers Guild. And it's, it's gotten some, it's, it's gotten some pickups there because it mm-hmm. is so deserving. Um, 
it's real good. It's the one film this year that I say, if you are going to watch one movie, mm-hmm. every, everybody should watch it because it's, it's, it's about perfect. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's really good. It's really good. Uh, but that leaves us with one other film. Um, now, now there's always, there's always one movie. That's the, the presumed favorite. And we didn't talk about drive my car. We talked about it a little bit, a little bit earlier, which I, I thought was a nearly flawless film, but you have the power of the dog, which is, I, I don't know, like, it's hard to even describe power of the dog. I just like, whenever I'm talking to someone about it, it's like this, it's like this, uh, I don't know. It's like this churning gear that just is like slow moving and it just it just goes and it just kind of tears like through the story really slow and you keep expecting it to to pick up the pace but it doesn't like it has like this crazy amount of restraint to tell the story that it wants to tell and it's long um it, but on but on the other hand it's it's beautiful and the story that it's telling is really beautiful and really interesting and yeah, if that's that's the uh, that's the presumed favorite, uh, Michaela. What did what did you think about Power of the Dog? Other than they filmed it in I don't know Australia or New Zealand and not Montana, and that apparently is a great offense. Great offense. It's a great offense. It is. Um, it is to me. <laughs> um, I I loved I loved it once I got through it. So I was halfway through and was like, oh man, this is going to be one of those films like. Uh, in the bedroom, which was nominated. Uh, and I remember watching it thinking, why was this film nominated for best picture, you know, 15 years ago? Um, why in the world? It was horrible. And I don't feel that way now, but um, halfway through Power of the Dog, I was like, yeah, the acting's good and the cinematography's great. I don't get it. I just don't, it's, I don't, I don't get it. But by the end, I was like, haha, because it is slow, so slow churning, but it's such a, it's such it's it's this quiet thriller because mm-hmm. the whole time you think um, and I don't think we're spoiling anything really by talking about this piece, because if you watch a preview, you're going to you're going to know this. But Benedict Cumberbatch's character is kind of a bully uh, to mm-hmm. this boy. Um, and the whole time you think that this bully character is going to do something awful to this boy. My hair was standing on the back of my neck just kind of waiting for that shoe to drop, waiting for him to do something horrible to this kid, whether, you know, and it was out in the West, right? It was supposed to be in Montana. So you didn't know if it was going to be something with like a horse or like there were still Native Americans. He was going to string him up somewhere and like leave him for dead. You just didn't know. And Mm -hmm. then when the tables finally, like when the ending happens and real danger was something completely different and and it's, it's so much better, I think, than um, people want to give it credit for because it's so slow. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, it's, but you got it. You got to stick with it. So I think that's why it's going to win. It reminds me um, of some of the books that we had to read in like high school, where we were like, "Oh, I have to read the Scarlet Letter," or "I have to read To Kill a Mockingbird." And at the time we're reading it, we were like, "Oh, I don't understand why this is so great. Why is this considered like such an amazing story?" And then we read it again as an adult, and we're like, "Oh, that's why. Oh, yeah, okay." And and so you know, maybe the because of the audience, people are going to say it was so slow, and we don't get it, but. That's mm-hmm. what the Academy is for, is to be able to transcend what's normally thought of as, 
you know, good entertainment and really bring about like thought provoking film. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You talk, you talk about that a lot, like how films change your paradigm. And I, I, I agree with that to, to a point, but I think that for me, one of the, one of the important things about a really great film is that it's something that just sticks with you and you can't like, like get it out of your head. You're just like, like evaluating, like, like what was going on and what it meant and, and things like that. So it's just, it's just something that just lives with you now. Um, and that's exactly what power of the dog was. And I think that a lot of that same drive my car, it was very similar to that in a lot of, in a lot of ways, it was also very slow. I will say that drive my car, um, and power of the dog were both three hours long. I thought that drive my car actually was paced a little bit better. Um, but I think that that was kind of the, the purpose of power of the dog. I think it was intentionally slowly paced. Um, so that way you, you basically had to commit to seeing it out if you wanted to get the experience of power of the dog. So, uh, so what, what do you say, Michaela, you still have two highlighted here. You have Coda and power of the dog highlighted, but you can't, you can't have that. You can only have one highlighted at the end of this. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm choosing power of the dog cause I'm going with my head. Uh, cause I really, I would really like to, uh, knock you off of your, um, of your, of your winning streak. Um, I don't mm-hmm. know if that's mm-hmm. really going to work this year or not uh but because we basically have chosen almost the exact same thing but i'm i'm gonna go with my head however if coda wins i i will happily lose to you again if that means that coda wins i'm fine with that that's right that's right so i think power of the dog is is the smart pick when i saw it um i said that that's going to win the academy award and now today uh making these picks I think the money that Apple has thrown into Coda over the last month is going to pay dividends and Coda is going to win best picture. That is my official pick. I am picking Coda to win. It was my favorite movie of the year Uh, by far, hands down. Everyone should definitely run right out and boot up their Apple TV plus iPhone, iPad thing and, and watch it uh, because it's brilliant and it's so well acted and the story is so great. And the setting is so beautiful and yeah go watch it coda my pick for best picture well i hope you're right i hope you're right. <laughs> that's right that's right so i hope you're right and i hope i hope i'm right somewhere down the line where we disagreed so that i can still win but, but there we that, go there we go we made all of we made all of our picks so this was this was yeah this was our second year of doing these the drink the movies oscar picks so hopefully you've you've kind of hung out with us and uh, learned a little bit about these movies, got your own picks, and now you have the knowledge you need to go win our Oscar pick them. So go over to our website. It's www.drinkthemovies.com. Hit the little link that says Oscars 22, pick them or something like that, and make your picks. All you do is you just go through the categories, you pick them. It takes like three minutes. And then whoever makes the most right picks is going to win a prize pack. So again, we've got like a like an awesome like logo, like Oscar Mason jar. We've got some awesome coasters coming. We've got some stickers coming. Um, and also, if you've listened this long and you want a sticker, just uh, shoot me an email or send us a message on uh, Facebook or Instagram, and we'll uh, we'll probably send you a sticker because we are just that nice. So uh, let us know. Let us know what your Oscar picks are. Let us know what you're drinking for your Oscar party. Cause we definitely want to know that. And we want to see pictures of it. We want to see pictures of your Oscar party, uh, your red carpet. If you're getting dressed up, we want to see all of that. I'm not, I'm going to be wearing jeans and a hoodie. I guarantee it. And uh, yeah, let us know. So you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. It's at drink the movies and on facebook.com slash drink the movies. Uh, check out our website, drink the movies.com uh, for episode recaps, all that stuff. And to enter our contest and please 
go leave us a five-star review because that would be amazing. That would be so helpful. Um, and it would get Drink the Movies up there. So Michaela, where do they need to go do that? You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere where Anchor Podcasts are distributed. Um, this is episode 69, which is crazy that we've been doing this for so long. Um, yeah. And it's all because people, listeners like you, go out and leave us a review and tell your friends. So continue to do that, ladies and gentlemen, and people of all, because uh, it helps uh, spread the Drink the Movies love. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Absolutely. So so let us know all of that stuff and let us know uh, what your Oscar picks are, because uh, we are dying to see them and we're going to be watching the Oscars, uh, having a martini and one of these champagne cocktails and uh, resting up. And then I think it's all reality TV for a while. We have to decompress from all these movies, Michaela. Yeah, I think you're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, uh, we'll tune into the social media. We'll probably be posting on and off uh, throughout Oscar night on Sunday. And uh, hope for hope for a good evening, and we'll talk to everyone next time on Drink Drink the, the movies. movies. Can't believe you didn't pick Coda.